Good morning, brothers and sisters. It's a joy and honor for me to be here with you again. Let us seek the Lord in prayer. Ask Him to open His Word to us and to teach us. Let's pray. Father, but we are completely helpless without Your help today, even at this moment. That we may hear words when they not come to our hearts and apply. That we may hear a sermon, but not be applied in our hearts. We pray, Lord, please help us. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would move if there are some who are lost in this place. You would save them, Father. We pray, Father, that your word would believe in and active and would bring about the purpose that you have for it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles in 2 Samuel chapter 18. Second Samuel chapter 18. That will be page 269, if you're visiting us with us. 269. Recently, I was uh, having devotional time. Maybe some of you have devotional time in the mornings or afternoons or evening. I have a, this reading plan that I go through on a yearly basis and, you know, just read a text that he tells me, and it's been really great. If you don't have one, I really would encourage you to have one. Uh, and I read this text. I just, it's been, it was a very kind ministry of the Lord in my heart. The things that I understood, certainly I spend more time now studying it. And I hope and pray that it would, it's a time as well of meeting the Lord and receiving the encouragement or correction that we need um, this morning. Second Samuel chapter 18, we'll actually read the entire chapter in sections. We'll read in the beginning, chapter 1, chapter 18, verse 1. Then David mustered the men who were with him, and set over them commanders of thousands, and commanders of hundreds, and David sent out the army, one-third under the command of Joab, one-third under the command of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, and one-third under the command of Etai, the Hittite. And the king said to the men, I myself will also go out with you. But the men said, you shall not go out, for if we flee, they will not care about us. If half of us die, they will not care about us. But you are worth 10,000 of us. I was sharing just a minute ago, one time I was, uh, this person came to church and then afterwards we started meeting over and over for weeks and weeks on and weeks on. And then this older man, maybe in his 50s, he was starting to understand the words of Jesus from the book of John. 
Then one morning when we come, when I come to do the Bible study, he tells me, John, do you know that my older brother, he's a 50-year-old man, but you know that my older brother, he is a leader in this mosque. Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, I didn't know he even had a brother, what he's telling me. And he says, do you know that if he knows that I'm studying the, the Bible with you, he will kill me? He said to me, he will come and shoot me. And I said, brother, what we can do is study the word. And at that moment, honestly, I was thinking about our Savior, our Lord, who actually did die for him and for us, for us who believed in him. So we're, as he's meditating on the cost of discipleship, we can also meditate on the cost of our salvation. That our Lord did lay his life for us. Our Lord did die for us on the cross. But he didn't have to die. Today's idea is, that you can take home, is the punishment of our rebellion is sure. Therefore be reconciled with God through Christ our King. The punishment of our rebellion is sure. Therefore be reconciled with God through Christ our King. In this text as we start, there's a lot to say, but let's just do it briefly. We fi you find ourselves, that you, you probably know the story, Absalom has risen and he's trying to take uh, the crown. He wants to be king. This is David's son. David escapes across the Jordan. And now we have this story when Absalom is coming against his own father, David, with his army. I'm going to take four topics today or four points. Number one, mercy is offered. Number two, justice is paid. Number three, news are given. And number four, promised is proclaimed. Mercy, justice, news, and promise. That's going to be our plan this morning. Let's see the first part together. Mercy is offered. So the forces are gathered to confront the upcoming battle, as we read in the first chapter, in the, in the first verses. Commentators will place the battle on the other side of Jordan, the place where David had fled with his servants of David, or the servants of uh, his army. He was hiding on the other side of Jordan. It seems that Absalom was so confident, and he started chasing after him, crossing the Jordan, and chasing after him in this area. He tells us of commanders. He tells us that one-third and one-third and one-third, if you see that in verse 1, set over then commanders of thousands and hundreds of hundreds. And David sent out the army, one-third under the command of Joab, and one-third under the command of Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, Joab's brother, and one-third under the command of Etite, the Hittite. And the king said to the man, I myself will go with you. These three commanders, Joab, Abishai, and Ittai. Who was this Ittai? He's described as the Hittite, a foreigner, but still leading the army in battle. 
How interesting that David chose chose a foreigner to defend him of his own son. The first commander, Joab, was there. Joab, Abishai, and Asahel were brothers. And Asahel was as swift as foot as a wild gazelle in 2 Samuel 2.18 tells us. So Joab and Abishai were brothers. And there was another brother, Asahel. I don't know if you remember the story, Asahel chases down uh, another uh, person and then he gets killed. Here the text tells us that Joab and Abishai were brothers, both children of Zeruiah. They used to have another brother. What happened to him is that he got killed against when he was trying to uh, kill Abner, commander of Saul's army. It seems that the entire family was highly skilled in military art. But what about this Hittite? Then King David said to Ittai, Why do you also go with us? Go back and stay with the king, for you are a foreigner and also an exile from your home. From 2 Samuel chapter 15. When Absalom rose against David, he chose this Ittai, chose to stay with King David and flee in defense in order to come back and retake the kingdom in the future. But the amazing part that happens here, and if you keep looking in verse 3 and 4, it says, The army tells David, do not come with us, stay. And verse 4 says, The king said to them, Whatever seems best to you, I will do. So the king stood at the side of the gate, while all the army marched out by hundreds and by thousands. Verse 5. And the king ordered Joab and Abishai and Ittai, deal gently for my sake with the young man Absalom. And all the people heard the king's order. The king gave, gave orders to all the commanders about Absalom. So the king ordered before the people that they should deal gently with their enemy. Was this understandable? Maybe he was asking that Absalom would be captured. And then take him prisoner. But maybe that he would not die in battle if there would be an opportunity to do that. Deal gently with him. The three commanders knew the order and the people also heard the order from the king. For the king stood at the gate while this all the army marched in front of him and he stayed. This is what amazing act of mercy. Mercy is offered to the one who has rebelled against the king. He did not even ask for mercy. He's coming against them. He is marching an army to destroy, to kill David and his army. But David is offering mercy. Our ministry, dear brothers and sisters, is a ministry of reconciliation, certainly. Like 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is Christ, that is in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself. 
no counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And that the scriptures are very clear that over and over that God extends His mercy and extends this, this area of I will show you mercy right now even though you are an enemy. Repent. Believe. Draw close to Him. For while we were still yet enemies, Christ died for us. God, the ruler and creator of all things, though He has the authority to do anything and to destroy, He chooses to show mercy. And our rebellion against God is no different than this rebellion that we see in this text. Everything that is wrong in our life and the world seems, to, seems from the faithful choice that humanity has made. From the very beginning, we didn't want God to be our ruler. We rejected Him as God by deciding to live our lives our own way and defiance of Him. We all do this in our lives. Most of the time, we simply ignore God or keep Him at a distance and get on with living our own lives. We don't thank Him as we should for being our generous creator and provider. We don't honor and obey Him as our ruler. We follow our own desires and priorities and live by the values we decide are best. The common Bible word for this rebellion stands towards God is sin, and we all do it whether we follow a particular religion or not. We find ourselves in a world full of little gods, each of us doing things our own way, each of us selfishly trying to bend the world and other people to do our own will. This is such a great reflection from a, a gospel presentation of two ways to live. We all reject God as our ruler by running our own lives our own way. By rebelling against God's way, we damage ourselves, each other, and the world. Let's see verse 6 through 8. Justice is paid. Justice is paid. Verse 6 through 8 says, So the army went out into the field against Israel. And the battle was fought in the forest of Ephraim. And the men of Israel were defeated there by the servants of David. And the loss there was great on that day. 20,000 men. The battle spread over the face of all the country. And the forest devoured more people that day than the sword. How interesting. This, this little text here. The, I think the idea is that justice is being paid. Victory is being given by the Lord. A place is chosen. This battle is happening in a forest where danger awaits to Israel. Israel is defeated, the Bible says, by the servants of David. And the fascinating part of this text in verse 8, it tells us a little note here. It tells us that 20,000 died in battle, but it says in verse 8 in the end, and the forest 
devoured more people that day than what? Than the sword. Well, what is it trying to say? It's trying to say that the Lord won the battle. The Lord brought these enemies of David and terminated and finished them. 20,000, yes, by the sword, but many more devoured by the forest itself. How fascinating this. Let's see verse 9. Verse 9. Then Absalom happened to meet the servants of David. Absalom is running away. Now the servants of David meet him. Absalom was riding on his mule, and the mule went under a thick branch of a great oak, and his head got caught fast in the oak, and he was suspended between heaven and earth, while the mule that was under him went on. I wanted to title this message, Between Heaven and Earth. Divinely executed justice. The rebel is hanged. Hanged by the Lord. Absalom's predicament, this is a quote from an, a commentary. The text says that it was Absalom's head that got caught, not his hair, as commonly is assumed. The situation is pregnant with symbolism. As the royal mule, this is the designated mount of kings, deserts the would-be king and leave him hanging in a tree, a condition cursed by God. Oh my goodness. Absalom was captured and delivered by God himself. What a vision of judgment from God. Let's see verse 10. And a certain man saw it and told Joab, Behold, I saw Absalom hanging in an oak. Joab said to the man who told him, What, you saw him? Why then you did not strike him there to the ground? I would have been glad to give you ten pieces of silver and a belt. But the man said to Joab, Even if I felt my hand the weight of a thousand pieces of silver, I would not reach out my hand against the king's son. For in our hearing, the king commanded you, and Abishai and Ittai, for my sake, protect the young man, Absalom. Victory is given by the Lord, sword by the sword. They win. The forest devours more. Israel is escaping. Absalom is on his mule escaping, but he cannot escape the Lord. He gets caught on a tree. His head gets somehow or another stuck on a tree. There he is. The would-be king with no mule and now cursed by God hanging on a tree. What a vision. Someone, it doesn't even tell us the name if you see it in the text. It doesn't say like this person. Like this is an unnamed individual. Saul, Absalom, hanging on a tree. It's like soldiers are on the ground with swords fighting. 
And here is this champion, as you remember, Absalom described as a as very handsome, tall, with not a single... Uh, uh, it was almost like a perfect man. And now you see this, this perfect man hanging on a tree. This man comes and tells, uh, tells Joab this. We're going to see two short principles on this first principle. God is calling us to fear and obey His word. Romans 12, 19 says, Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, It is mine to revenge, I will repay, says the Lord. Here the enemy is literally delivered by God, giving it to them. Here it is, your enemy. Christians should not seek personal retribution. Absalom was spotted hanging in an oak. Joe, after hearing this man, says this idea, like, I saw him. And he says, I would not have been, I, I would have been glad. Uh, Joab tells him, I would have given you 10 pieces of silver and a belt. But Job, after hearing this rebuke, the man for not after rebuking this man for not having killed Absalom, whenever he had an easy chance to do so, if he was a spotter, he should have been killed, Job concludes. Such was the disdain that Job had for such lacking actions that he said he would have been, he would have paid 10 pieces of silver and a belt for the one that would have, been, that would have killed Absalom. This was not a small amount. It was the salary of an entire year's work. This is the same amount that Micah promised and said to this Levite, stay with me in Judges 17, stay with me and be a father to me and a priest. And I'll give you 10 pieces of silver a year and a suit of clothes and your living. And the Levite went in and he lived with him. The offer was great. A whole year's salary. That's nothing small. But the man replied to Joab and said, even if you've given me, if I felt the weight of 10,000 pieces of silver, I would not reach out my hand against the king's son, for we heard a command from him. Was this unknown man more righteous than the commander Joab? He rebuked Joab in righteousness. Even if I would have the salary of a hundred years, I would not have disobeyed the order of the king. This, rem this man remembered what the king said at the gate with all the troops present and all the commanders which he knew had also heard. A moment of decision was given for Joab. To receive this rebuke and remember or not care and continue with his own personal desires. The first reason given by this unknown man was that no money would buy his integrity. What a good point for us. No money, no amount of money would buy his integrity. He would not be bought by one year 
or 100 years of salary, he would say, my integrity is not for sale. And verse 13 continues the story. On the other hand, if I had dealt treacherously against his life and there is nothing hidden from the king, then you, would, you yourself would have stood aloof. The second reason that he gives in acting in this righteousness and, protect, and protection of our, our, our authority, excuse me, the second reason that he gives is that acting under the protection or authority of another person to do wrong does not excuse his action. Let me say it one more time, just to clarify to myself. The second reason that he gives is that acting under the protection or authority of another person to do wrong does not excuse the action. Does that make sense? He's saying, okay, I'll go kill him and you are commanding me to go and do it. He's saying, no way. I cannot do that. The king knows all things. And the commandment of the king is on me. I cannot, just because you tell me to do something wrong, go and do this thing. If he were to do that, Joab would have not spent his time trying to protect him. The king would have known, for there is nothing hidden from the king. And he would not be protected. So... We can think as well that our righteous fear filled his heart. Would the king know? Yes, he would know. There would, be an, there would not be enough money to save him from the punishment that he would receive from the king. Verse 14. Verse 14. The rebel is hanged. We're still there. Verse 14, it says, Joab said, I will not waste time like this with you. And he took three javelins in his hand and thrust them into the heart of Absalom, but he was still alive in the oak. What happened? Joab rejected the admonition. Joab decided to harden his heart and not here. He would call it a waste of my time with that righteous man. That was a terrible decision from him. For it was not a waste of his time. It was an opportunity to reflect and receive from that man a word from God. And just stop for a second. And how many times have your wife your friend, your co-worker, your mom, maybe even your child corrected you in righteousness. Are you ready to receive that? Happy that God would care enough to correct you? Or maybe you're reading the scriptures and you see your mistake, your sin, your flaw, and this is an opportunity to turn away from it. How are you reacting? I don't care. This is a waste of my time. I don't want to hear from you, wife. I don't want to hear from you, friend. I don't want to hear from you, elder. 
or this is good and we should give thanks to God. Oh, brothers, receiving correction is a hard job. But it's a welcome job and we should all be excited to do that. Amen? Amen. What happened then is that he took three javelins, thrust them into Absalom. It is described that he thrust them into his heart. Hmm. Verse 18, where we are here, it says, Now Absalom in, in his life... Oh, where are we? Excuse me. Verse 14. Joab said, he will not waste my time like this with you. And he took three javelins in his, and he sent and thrust them into the heart of Absalom while he was still alive in the oak. Verse 15, and ten young men, Joab's armor bearers, surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. I think the picture that he's trying to give us here is that Absalom is defenseless, hanging on the tree. Maybe unconscious, some commentaries say, say he might have been truly unconscious, like hanging from his neck. There he is, delivered by God to be captured. Absalom grabs three javelins and thrusts them and kills, kills him. Let's see another principle here fairly quickly. Wicked leadership is sadly imitated. Wicked leadership is sadly imitated. Then the ten young men, Job's armor bearers, surrounded Absalom and struck him and killed him. Wicked leadership sadly is followed. After Job killed Absalom while on the tree, others followed him in his wicked acts. The text describes other ten young men close to him, namely his armor bearers, that struck and killed Absalom. He was Certain to die after the three javelins will go through him. I think the text here would imply that they would put him to death quickly. And without any delay, he was pronounced dead at that moment. The armor bearers are known as those who are close to this leader, to Jonathan. And Jonathan and his armor bearers went together into the garrison of the Philistines, for example. Jonathan and his armor bearers. And his armor bearer won. David was armor bearer for Saul. This was a position of great opportunity to see leadership in action, be with the great men and commanders, gain experience. There were interns. Gain experience in what others would do. This was a great position of growing into future leadership as we saw with David and Saul, later David becoming king. What a sovereign thought, though, for those who are in leadership and are investing in their lives, developing leadership. As you know, so others will do. As you do, so others will do. Will this be for righteousness or for treachery? This is a sovereign call for us leaders, elders, pastors, Wicked leadership sadly would also be imitated, as it was in this case. Later on, 
he was also buried. God's justice, talking about God's justice. Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Like any other good ruler, God cares enough to take our rebellion seriously. He holds us accountable for our actions because it matters to Him that we dishonor Him, that we treat others so poorly and that we ruin this world. In other words, God won't let the rebellion go on forever. It would be unjust of Him to do so. We experience God's judgment against our rebellion and the reality of death, suffering, and death are not natural. The corruption, the decay and death in our world are part of God's punishment for humanity's rejection of Him. Justice came to this man in a very uncommon way. He paid for his rebellion. He was killed. Not only that, but he had the shame. The mule walked away. Him hanging on a tree. He's dead. The sentence of God will pass on that day. It will be given to us. He will cut us off from himself permanently. And since God is the source of life and all good things, being cut off from him means a destruction that never ends. This is a terrible thing to fall under the sentence of God's judgment. It is a, prop, it's a prospect we all face because we are guilty of rebellion against God. Let's see point number three. News are given. News are given. Verse 19. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said, Let me run and carry to the king that the Lord has delivered him from the hand of his enemies. And Joab said to him, You are not to carry news today. You may carry news another day, but today you shall carry no news because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to the Cushite, Go tell the king that what you have seen. The Cushite bowed before Joab and ran. Then Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, said again to Joab, Come what may, let me go also run after the Cushite. And Joab said, Why will you run, my son, seeing that you will have no reward for the news? Come what may, he said, I will run. So he said to him, Run. Then Ahimaaz ran by the way of the plain and outran the Cushite. News are given. Here, this scene is perplexing in this way. The news are given. Good news are thought to be delivered. And let's see verse 24. Now David was sitting between the two gates, and the watchman went up to the roof of the gate by the wall. And when he lifted up his eyes and looked, he saw a man running alone. The watchman called out and told the king. And the king said, If he is alone, there is news in his mouth. And he drew nearer and nearer. The watchman saw another man running, and the watchman called to the gate and said, See another man running alone. The king said, He also brings news. Verse 27. The watchman said, I think the running of the first is like the running of Ahimas, the son of Zadok. And the king said, He is a good man and comes with good news. Well, why is he saying that? This Ahimas is known to be the one who carries news. 
Whenever David had escaped to cross the Jordan, he stayed and carried the news that they could, they could escape. It was safe for them to escape. And there was a way and, and, uh, and Absalom's armies were moving in a different direction. So this guy was not only just a good messenger, but he was the son of Zadok. And Zadok was a priest. So this guy was a pastor's kid. He was a priest's kid. Trustable. He's bringing good news. He is a person that is used for that. You send news with somebody that you trust. That person will tell the truth. Will deliver the message. Wholesome. Whole, the whole message. Not the message that person wants. That person was a good person to deliver the message. The king sees about him. He says, oh, he's a good man. We're going to receive the news. The whole news. Verse 28. Then Ahimaaz cried out to the Lord, to the king, All is well. And he bowed down before the king with his face to the earth and said, Blessed be the Lord your God, who has delivered up the men who raised their hand against my lord the king. And the king said, Is it well with the young man Absalom? And Ahimaaz answered, When Joab sent the king's servant, talking about himself, your servant, I saw a great commotion, but I do not know what it was. And the king said, turn aside and stand here. So he turned aside and stood still. And behold, the Cushite came, and the Cushite said, good news for my lord the king, for the Lord has delivered you to this day from the hand of all who rose against you. The king said to the Cushite, is it well with the young man Absalom? The Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord the king and all who rise up against you for evil be like that young man Absalom. News are delivered. Good news in a way. In a different way. Hard news. Hard news. What's the problem in this text? Another teachable moment for us. Why Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, the one who had been used powerfully before, the one who helped David to be delivered, now, and, and a good man, a good messenger, now he changes his message. It's clearly to us there, right? Akushite later on, he actually comes and brings the message. This is such a great reminder to us, dear brothers and sisters, when we are sharing message. When he's sharing the message, he knows there's no price into this. This is a hard message to deliver. This is the king's son. He is dead. I'm going to tell the king, yes, we won the battle. Yes, that's, a, yes, that's good news. But his son is dead. How is he going to respond to that? Hard news are hard to deliver. This is a good example to us. For example, missionaries Evangelists, when you are in your workplace and you're sharing the gospel, some of those are good news, but some of them are hard news. You're a sinner. You're condemned. The wrath of God remains on, the, on sinners, unrepented sinners. There's a literal place of conscious torment called hell. Those are not easy news to deliver. Those are Hard news to deliver. 
But dear brothers and sisters, those are necessary news to deliver in this world. How are we reacting in this? How are we reacting whenever we are placed into a moment of testing before the Lord? Let's see the last point. Promise is proclaimed. Promise is proclaimed. Verse 32, the king said to the Cushite, Is it well with the young man Absalom? The Cushite answered, May the enemies of my lord, the king, and all who rise up against you for evil be like that young man. And the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, Oh, my son Absalom, my son, my son Absalom, would I have died instead of you? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Wow. What a cry of a father who wanted to extend mercy to a very rebellious son who wanted to come and take his throne, certainly kill his own father. He tells the army, go and treat him kindly. If, in a way, capture him, don't kill him if you can. The Lord delivers him hanging on a tree. He's killed. Absalom is killed by the army. And now this father <coughs> cries out, dear brothers and sisters, a promise, I think, a promise is being proclaimed. He, he wished, he would desire, in a way, in, in these verses, would I have died instead of you, O Absalom, my son, my son. Yes, he wished he would have died and Absalom lived. He wished that this dad would have given his life instead of his son being killed in war. But this is a promise. That is, has, has, has the colors of our Lord, of our Savior. That later on, yes, the Father did send His Son Jesus to die for us. To shed His blood for us. To actually be the one who is hanging on the tree. The one who is actually, yes, taken from the, the throne. Put in a crown, not a crown of gold, but a crown of thorns. And pierce on his side. And this Jesus hang on a tree in shame. He was killed and buried. Three days after, he rose from the grave, dear brothers and sisters. So that he would take the place of who? Of whom? Of rebels like you and I. Of deserving sinners, deserving the real death and punishments like you and I. That this Jesus would take that place for us on our behalf. And we would be forgiven. That that almost exclamation of promise. That he would say, would I instead, would I have died instead of you? Jesus says with his own life that he did die for you. Have you repented of your sins and turned in faith to Him? 
Have you? I want to invite you today to pray, to ask the Lord by yourself, to talk to an elder later on. Do not leave this place today. If you know that you are away from the Lord, make things right with God. Soon as possible. Like 2 Corinthians 5 says, be reconciled with God. Hebrews says, today is the day of salvation. Seek the Lord even so today. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you this morning as sinners, as rebels, nothing different to us than Absalom. Knowing you, Lord, your word, your commandments, your statutes for us, Lord, we have proclaimed liberty. We've proclaimed that we do not want to live under your rule. What a shame. And actually have sought to destroy the truth of the gospel. And with our sins and our other sinners earlier before, and we could hear our voices going out from in that gathering, calling for Christ Jesus' crucifixion and saying, crucify him. The Lord, the Savior, Him being hanged on a tree, killed for us, buried. And then three days after, He rose from the dead. Lord God, we want to ask You that anyone here today, anyone that is visiting or that is not a Christian, Lord, would turn to You in faith. We ask You, Lord, have mercy on sinners that are on their way to hell. Have mercy, Lord. Just like, just like David was showing mercy, so you show mercy to anyone, anyone who repent of their sins and turn to you in faith, forgiveness. You forgive. You are a loving and wonderful Father. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for taking our place and dying on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.